This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Kim. And today's episode, we're going to Buenos Aires, Argentina. And if you're a soccer fan, talking about Argentina, Buenos Aires makes total sense because when it comes to South American football, Argentina is probably top, 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 if not the best, has not perhaps the best fans, the best league, the best club alongside with Brazil. Uruguay is pretty good, but there's something about Argentina's soccer that makes it a little more special. But I'm also choosing Argentina or Buenos Aires particularly because that's I went there. I've never been to Brazil. I've been to Uruguay, but only for like three days. But I was in Argentina most of the time. And I got to say, during my time in Buenos Aires, it's wild. Uh, the soccer was wild. I went there in the off season, and you could still get a vibe that this city is very much about soccer. There's pickup games, and I've not just pickup games, but like structured leagues that are happening every day. And everywhere you'll find a soccer field or a futsal court or a or a indoor soccer court, whatever, you'll find people playing soccer. And as you go through the city, you're gonna notice that first thing you're gonna notice is that every billboard, every advertisement is either Messi or Pope Francis. And that's it. it. It's legit. That's all I saw. Like every KFC, Pepsi, whatever fast food or big name chain brand, it was either Messi, Di Maria, Iguain, Aguero, or Pope Francis. It was, it was either one of those, uh, one of them doing the ads. Pope Francis is probably a little more legit ad. It's not like a, it's not like a Pope doing a KFC ad. That'd be, imagine <laughs> Pope Francis just does a KFC ad. That's weird. Anyway, just to see the billboards, it's all just all soccer players and, you know, some local celebrities that I don't know, but it's mostly soccer players a lot of the time. And I was just like, oh, I get it. Messi's a god. Messi's a god right now in Argentina. And it's it, it, it's unprecedented. And for those who don't know why Pope Francis is being advertised or why he's all over the billboards is because Pope Francis is Argentinian, but not only Argentinian, he's the first ever non-European pope. So before I go deeply into the clubs, there's a few things I do want to say. I usually use an app called City Mapper when I when I was doing the season, and City Mapper is a really good app. If you travel a lot uh, before pandemic, or if you plan on traveling, doing a lot of traveling after the pandemic, I suggest you download City Mapper. It, it's great because it works just like Google Maps, but you have to upload a city, so the entire app just changes around that city. So if you go from Montreal to London, you get upload the London system and they'll give you every single method of transportation on how to get to your destination but giving you detailed description of different types of metros different types of uh, I guess transportation from bus to train to metro whatever right it'll give you cab it'll give you cab suggestions if taking a taxi might be faster and it also gives you the price along the way so every step of the way it'll give you the price so if you get on a bus let's say it'll tell you it's three bucks to get on the bus then once you get to the metro they'll tell you it's five dollars a ticket and it will break it all down for you it'll give you the time and everything it's a fantastic map city mapper that's what i used and for this episode i found another website that city mapper didn't have for buenos aires but this this website was really cool while making this episode on argentina i realized that City Mapper doesn't have Buenos Aires on the app. So I looked online and I found this website called Stadium Guides. Stadium Guides is pretty awesome. Like you just type in 
whatever club you're interested, whatever football club you're interested in, or whatever stadium you're interested in visiting, you type it in the search bar of that website, and it will give you results. And then you click the one that you want. Let's say you want to go to Old Trafford. It'll give you full detailed explanation on how to get there. What does it look like? Is the neighborhood around the stadium safe? Is it safe to travel through? Is it safe to walk through? How does ticket purchases work? It's very pretty much as I was writing the season. It was essentially whatever I'm doing right now audibly. It's done online and there's description and everything and it's great. Uh, but the only thing I wonder is how often it's updated. That is unclear. But otherwise, if you want a basic idea and if ever you want to travel for soccer, Stadium Guides is a fantastic website. Stadiumguides.com. Uh, I definitely suggest using that. I use this to write this episode. So that's a bit of a disclaimer. Anyway, and one last thing, I guess, before I go down to the clubs is that so yeah, one last disclaimer. I'm just gonna give you how to like information on how to get to these stadiums. What is the the club like? Even uh, information about the neighborhood these clubs are found or what the stadiums are found in. And then I'll share certain uh, my some of my experiences in Buenos Aires and why I feel like it's a city worth visiting and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I need more time. I, I I was there for a week or two weeks. I it's a big city. Buenos Aires is a huge city, and I felt like I haven't really done everything. Not even everything. I've only scratched the surface. And as we go through the name of clubs, you're going to notice that a lot of these uh, Argentinian clubs have English names in it. And I'm just going to address it here right now. It's basically a, a lot of these clubs have different reasons for doing it. But one of the main reasons why they might have an English name or the club might actually just be an English name is is because that's how soccer came to them. It came to It came to them through British and English merchants and sailors who once they arrived at Buenos Aires, they would play the game on the docks on the free time. And the local Argentinians would notice the game and they would be interested. They'd be like, oh, we want to partake as well and play. And that's how soccer really kind of started in Argentina. And then later with the arrival of Italian immigrants who've already started playing soccer in Italy, they brought that with them as well to Argentina. So in Argentina, you get this English foundation of the sport with this Italian way of, or I guess this Italian influence into the game along with a Spanish influence of the game. So Argentina has a has an interesting thing going on. If you look at the Argentine national team at any World Cup, a third of the team are going to have Italian last names. It's just an interesting observation. But anyway, so let's start with our first club, Argentinos Juniors or Argentinos Juniors. <laughs> Carl's Juniors. I don't know why. It's just Carl's Juniors came to my mind. No offense, Argentinos Juniors. All right, so this club, they're, they play the venue called the Diego Maradona Stadium with 26,000 people. Great name, strong name for a stadium. I, this is probably the second or third stadium that I've come across with the name Diego Maradona. And can you blame them? No. To get to the stadium, you're going to have to get to Villa del Parque train station or the Mala, Malabia and uh, Pugliese metro station like P-U-J, or sorry, P-U-G-L-I-E-S-E. Do you see how Italian this city is? It's like, when I was there, all the neighborhoods were like Italian. Palermo, Piazza Venezia, you know, it's all, it's like an Italian colony over there. But yeah, otherwise, if you don't get to these train stations, or actually, when you do get to the metro station, you're going to have to take a bus or enjoy a long walk. Same with the train station. I think there's a bus service that takes you from the train station to the stadium, but otherwise walking. Ticket prices come in at a staggering 250 to 500 Argentine pesos, which converted to Canadian dollars, it's three to seven dollar tickets. Oh man, that is cheap AF. But it comes with a catch. And that catch is 
probably not the most successful club right now or the most uh, perf- highest performing club at the moment. Probably not the club you'd expect to win every year. But it has the history of the club has an interesting root. Apparently, it was founded by a bunch of anarchists who were members of the Martires de Chicago, which is a group that which translates to uh, Chicago Martyrs or Martyrs of Chicago, which were an anarchist group, which Martires de Chicago were a anarchist group which named themselves after eight anarchists were hung after after what's called a Haymarket Riot in 1886. So that's a little fun fact about that club. It's founded by a, a bunch of anarchists. And honestly, that's the kind of thing that I could totally see happening in Montreal one day, where there, you know there's a lot of anarchists in the city. There's a lot of everything in the city. But anyway, and the reason why the stadium is called Diego Maradona is because, you know, yours truly, not yours truly, not me, uh, Diego Maradona, attended the Youth Academy of Argentinos Juniors. It's kind of funny that the club name is Argentinos Juniors. So what do you call the people playing the Youth Academy? Are they Juniors Juniors? Argentinos Mini Juniors? Mega Juniors? Because if the first team is already Argentinos Juniors, what makes the Youth Academy? What do you call them? Baby Juniors? That feels redundant. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm saying this not to disrespect the club. I'm just saying this because... I don't really know much about the club, but I'm also, you know, just having fun. But let's move on. Okay, now next club is San Lorenzo di Amagro. The venue is called Estadio Pedro Bidegain. And to get there by public transit, on stadiumguide.com, they strongly recommend taking a taxi. They kind of gave a, a warning saying that this part of town is pretty sketchy, that walking to the stadium or around the stadium is not suggested. And the nearest metro is Varela, but I think from Varela to the stadium, it might be like a 10-20 minute walk. So again, on stadiumguide.com, they said, don't walk, take a cab, don't take the risk. And if you want to get there by public transit, maybe taking a bus might be the best option. But otherwise, they suggest taking a taxi. Ticket prices is 300-800 pesos, which is 4 to $12 Canadian. Very affordable. And the history of the club is what I find quite fascinating, actually. And fun fact, this is also Pope Francis's favorite football club in Argentina. And then when I tell you the history, it's going to make sense. They were formed in 1908 by a concerned local priest named Lorenzo Massa in the neighborhood of Almagro. And at the time, I guess Father Massa or Brother Massa, let's just call him Massa. Uh, Massa was concerned that the kids in the neighborhood were playing soccer on the streets, but the streets were very busy, so he was worried that kids were getting hit or were going to get hit. And I think kids have been hurt and even killed in these accidents while playing on the streets. So as a, as a good priest that he is, he decides that they should form a football club where they these kids, these neighborhood people, wouldn't have to play on the streets, but they could have their own space to themselves. And that's sort of how this football club started because of a concerned priest over his uh, over his flock, if you will. For the atheists and for those with a dark sense of humor, I know we can you can make all these pedophile jokes or these pedophile comments all you want, but I'm not here to do that, obviously. But the re- main reason why I'm not here to do that because if you are to make a joke, it writes itself. But at the same time, you know this this come this person seems like uh, Lorenzo Massa seems like someone who was genuinely concerned over the you know over people in the neighborhood. So I'm just gonna leave it as is and show him the respect. So anyway, yada yada yada. He gets the kids off the streets. They make a club where the kids could play uh, amongst themselves in, in security. So since the club didn't have a name, the people who participated in the club playing football or part of the administration or whatever, 
uh, approached the priest saying, hey, how about we call this football club San Lorenzo after you? They wanted to name it after the priest, but the priest fearing the sin of pride, which is one of the seven deadly sins, he strongly suggested that they do not call the football club after him, but they dedicate it to someone else or something else. They dedicated the term San Lorenzo not to the priest, to priest Massa, Lorenzo, Lorenzo Massa, but they dedicated the club to the Battle of San Lorenzo, which was apparently a, a significant battle in Argentinian independence history. And along with the Battle of San Lorenzo, this club was also named after the Saint of uh, Saint Lorenzo of Rome, who was martyred. And fun fact, uh, he was burnt on a gridiron. Like they had charcoals and they 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 pretty much cooked him alive. Uh, when when the Romans killed him, and while he was being cooked alive, essentially, he asked, <laughs> he supposedly said, "I am medium rare, or I am rare or medium rare on one side. Can you please flip me?" Which, in effect, if that's if this is true, which I think it is, supposedly or by tradition, that made him the patron saint of chefs, cooks and comedians so apparently saint lawrence of rome because of his indifference of being cooked alive he is now the patron saint of chefs cooks and comedians pretty funny let's move on all right and the last few things with uh san lorenzo if you go online on youtube and you just like type in san lorenzo and the fans it's a, you get a really cool video of just the fans singing and sort of marching into the stadium at once and all of them on the stands chanting and you know dancing and singing it's, it's pretty awesome argentinian fans are another level and if you do decide to go visit san lorenzo like i said it is in a dodgy part of town it's that mo- these warnings keep coming up on uh, on stadium guide saying like you know be careful be careful be careful probably one of those stadiums that be- it's best if you went with someone who is a local in that area maybe that's the best way and one last fact they their rivalry with huracan is considered the third most important derby in argentina and which leads me to our next club, which is Club Atlético Huracán. Hurricane. I don't think that's what. But is that what Huracán is in Spanish? Hurricane. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so Club Atlético Huracán. The venue is in Tomas, Tom, Toma, Tomas A Duco, which. Oh man, I'm butchering these names. Thomas A Duco. <laughs> uh, it holds a forty-eight thousand people. The closest metro station is Caseros. Ticket prices range from $3.50 to $6. And the logo, here's one fun fact. The logo is a balloon. And I thought that was interesting for any soccer team or any any sports team to have a hot air balloon as a logo. But as it turns out, is there was a period where this club is looking for, I guess, a new logo. And at the same time or in, re- in recent history, a man by the name of Jorge Newberry, who was an aviation pioneer, was the first one to... F- get on a hot air balloon to travel from Argentina to Uruguay then to Brazil and it was a unique trip so that was like that was a one-time affair and I guess the football club felt a certain way about the about the balloon I mean it is a major aviation achievement for Argentinians so why not use the thing that pushed the boundaries of Argentinian exploration and aviation as their badge so as an outsider when I see and understand the history of the badge and I see this club holding the badge it's a statement of not just history, but of of pushing the limits, of going forward, of always being contenders. And this is, I guess, what Huracan, with that logo, is trying to tell people is that we are not only 
embracing Argentinian history, but we want to do what Jorge Newberry has done and is push the boundaries and, you know, be contending or be contenders rather. And the reason why I bring this up because a few months ago, the Montreal Impact uh, rebranded itself to Club de Foot Montréal and it's got a lot of pushback from the Montreal community. And there's, there's, it's mixed. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people are slowly coming around to it. Some people are slowly starting to hate it. It's, it's a weird thing. But I say this because when I noticed why they chose that balloon, to me, it makes sense. I was like, of course, tie into history that's relevant to, you know, your people. And if Club de Foot Montréal, if they want to keep that name, that's fine. That's cool. I said it on the Darby cast, another podcast that I work on as a as a podcast producer. Shout out to Tagua and AK. The, those are the two other hosts, the, the co-host of the Darby cast, which comes out every Friday. It's a Canadian podcast about soccer. Please follow, give it a like, share it. It'll help us at Darby cast. Anyway, I wanted to see Montreal be renamed into something different, uh, be named Montréal Saint-Laurent, which sounds awesome. And Montréal Saint-Laurent works because it's you know, Saint-Laurent, like the river, then Montréal, like, you know, the island itself. So, you know, it works out. But anyway, uh, I digress. And the next club is a club that I, didn't, I don't really know anything about is uh, Velez Sarsfield. Granted, like, maybe half these clubs on the on the on this Buenos Aires list, I didn't really know about them until I started researching them. And Velez Sarsfield is definitely one of them. It's called Velez Sarsfield. It just sounds like I'm saying some politician's name or something. But anyway, uh, they play at the Estadio Jose Amal, oh, that's Italian. Amalfitani, which holds forty nine thousand people, and in public transit, the closest is a train station, the Linears train, a Linears train station rather. And ticket prices to these games range from three three dollars to nine dollar fifty. Again, ticket prices are dependent on where you're seated and who you're playing. And this one is about the same prices, same price range as the other as the other clubs, but the nine dollar fifty part, I'm interested. Is that a box seat? Who knows. Formed in 1910, they won the first major competition in the league championship in of 1968, and they're one of the most popular clubs in Argentina. That I had no idea. They also won the Conmebol treble in 2001. Wow, they did something that Real Madrid has unable to do. So that's pretty impressive. And uh, notable figures that came out of the club is Nicolas Otamendi and Diego Simeone. Okay, I don't know about Otamendi, but like Simeone is obviously. A very good shout for that club to produce. Otamendi, I guess we could debate, is he a great defender or was he overrated, overpriced? Who knows? But I think he's an okay defender. Now let's move on to the big boys. The two big clubs, Boca Juniors and River Plate. I'm going to talk about Boca Juniors, but I'm gonna, I've never been to a game, but I've seen the stadium or walk past the stadium or drive past the stadium. I've been in the same neighborhood where they play at La Bombanera and the Boca neighborhood. I went there and it's really nice and I'll talk about my experience going there. But let's get into Boca Juniors. So they play at La Bombanera, like I said, and that could hold up to 54,000 people. They've now renovated the stadium, but it used to have like this one section of the stadium where it's just like a wall. And it's like people, it's like stands, but it's like a wall. It's like a weird thing. I thought that was kind of unique and made, it gave another dynamic I gave another dynamic to the field. Now, because that wall is not just like a wall. It's it's technically a stand. You can see people standing there watching. I guess that's where most of the box seats are. But the wall was there. I guess it had something to do with the street. And there was enough room to build this, you know, that tier for the stands. If you look at Buenos Aires, it's very, it's very dense. The, the city core is very, very dense. But now they've renovated. So they've added a section where it's now a proper stand. But anyway, it's 
their colors, blue and yellow, blue and gold, we all know it. A lot of great players have went there. Uh, you know, De Rossi from Roma is playing there. Right now, Tevez has gone has gone there, come out, gone back. Same with Diego Maradona. There's definitely other big-name players I'm forgetting, but when I've seen Boca Juniors jerseys when I was a kid in Montreal. I've seen people wear Boca Juniors and River Plate jerseys growing up. So to me, these clubs are quite familiar. But culturally speaking, I don't really know anything about them. But anyway, to get to the stadium, according to Stadium Guide, there are no metro stations in the vicinity. They suggest taking a cab, walking, or taking one of the many different bus uh, bus lines that get you to the stadium. And apparently, I didn't know this, apparently, they no longer sell tickets to the public. They only sell to club members. I guess that's how popular Boca Juniors have become or have always been. But if you do want to get tickets to Boca Juniors, you can go to third-party websites or you can buy like these, I guess, tourist package deals that could, you know, get you into the games. But they might go for 150 to 200 bucks. Even if you buy those tickets on like StubHub or something, they might range around those prices. So you can go, we just went from $3 tickets to $200 tickets with one club. It's, um, that tells you a lot what Boca Juniors and what space they occupy in Argentinian soccer and how international of a club they are. I was actually really surprised that's how expensive tickets were. And I was actually surprised that they essentially sell tickets the same way as the top British Premier League clubs do, which is members only. And then if there's one extra ticket left over, it might get sold to a third-party website or or to some tourism uh, company. If you were to go to Boca Juniors game, uh, I would suggest, and Stadium Guide does, uh, StadiumGuide.com says the same thing, to spend the day in Boca. Like, be there during the daytime. I When I was there too, I was told by locals that at night, Boca, the Boca neighborhood could get a little sketchy because it is a working class neighborhood. Fun fact, that's where most of the immigrant Italian immigrants settled in the Boca neighborhood. And it's a, it's an artisanal neighborhood. So when you go at daytime, you see a lot of art, a lot of great restaurants. It's kind of a tourist trap at the same time, a lot of souvenir stores. But if you go walk around and explore the neighborhood, you can tell that it's um, a lot of history. Very unique, a lot of colors. Like I remember just one time there was like a train track that just sort of ran through the neighborhood. But it was almost without distinction. It just looked like another street, but it was a train track, full-on train track. And I'm like, oh, okay. It tells you a lot that this was a very industrialized part of town, very working class. But like I said, in the daytime, super safe, walk around. I didn't feel threatened at all. Everyone will try to hustle you to come eat at the restaurants or go to the stores. But other than that, spend the day in Boca. Beautiful, nice. What I did find annoying, I was staying in Palermo, Hollywood. That's a part of town, Argentina, kind of like a middle class, nice part of town. And then we took the bus and metro from that part of town to Boca. And it was like, it took us an hour. It took us a long time. I can't exactly recommend any specific restaurants or spots in Boca. I don't really remember. It's been a year since I went. But I was also kind of just following the girl I was dating when I went. I, I went there to go meet a girl that I've been dating for a while. And, we, you know, we're going, we're, we were doing this long distance thing. And I wanted to go see her. So I, she just pretty much dragged me around, showed me around. And I did mostly just, I did whatever she did. And also I just hung out with her friends in Argentina. So, you know, just it was fun times. I don't remember names. I just went with the flow. Oh, another thing, if you do take the metro and public transit in Buenos Aires, beware of pickpocketing. Apparently, that's a very big thing. So I was always told by everyone to beware of pickpocketing. And also, you know, pickpocketing is a big deal when the locals are putting all their backpacks on the front side. So the backpacks are not on their back. It's on their chest. If all the locals are doing it, that that should ring bells for you. 
And then finally, let's move on to a club, a, a club, a club, a club that I've grown to really start to like and appreciate, and that's River Plate. And the main reason why I'm starting to appreciate River Plate is because of my friend Jorge Mariano. He's been like every time I bring a Boca Juniors, he gets very upset with me, and then he's very adamant on converting me to the River Plate family. Out of spite, because I don't like being told what to do, I might stick with Boca. But anyway, shout out to Jorge Mariano. Anyway, so River Plate, their venue, they play at El Monumental, which holds 64,000 people. To get there by public transit, you're going to have to get off a metro station, Congreso de Tucumán. And from there, you walk 20 minutes. Or you can get off the train station, Scalabrini and Ortiz, and that's five minutes away. Whereas, you could take the train station Belgrano and Nunez, and they're about a 20-minute walk from the stadium as well. Or you could take the many several bus lines that will take you to the stadium. That's another thing about Buenos Aires. There's buses everywhere. There's like there's a bus line everywhere. So it's not difficult to find a bus. And unlike Boca, ticket prices you can buy a day or two before the game at the ticket booths at the stadium, which is like really great and accessible, especially for travelers. And the prices will range depending on the seating and who they're playing. And ticket prices, they typically go from $3.50 to $10. So let's just break down what this means. River Plate, who are the main rivals of Boca Juniors, and they've just won the Conmebol. They just won the pretty much the Champions League, the, the South American Champions League. Uh, what's that? Copa Libertadores. They beat Boca Juniors in Madrid to win that competition. And River Plate is a very popular club, very successful club. Don't ask me to name any names who came out of River Plate because I'm forgetting and River Plate fans will probably get very upset about that. <laughs> but it's it's one of those clubs that when you are introduced to Argentinian soccer, you're immediately introduced to Boca Juniors and River Plate because those are the eternal rivals. When you watch, it's like these games get so intense that River Plate fans are not allowed to attend games at, at Boca Stadium at La Bombanera. And Boca Junior fans are not allowed to attend games at El Monumental, the home of River Plate. Because the fans apparently get so crazy between the two that they get into full-on fights and people get hurt, people get stabbed. Like, it gets pretty crazy. So, River Plate fans are pretty much forever barred and banned from La Bombanera. And Boca Junior fans are forever banned from uh, El Monumental. That's it, That should tell you a lot of how much that derby between River Plate and Boca Juniors, how much that means, you know, and how, how much that means to the fans that they're going to stab each other for it. You know, it's pretty wild. But also, if you want to learn more about Argentinian soccer and history, so I named you all these different clubs, right? Boca Juniors, Vélez Sarsfield, Lorenzo Amalgro, uh, Club Atlético Huracán, and uh, Argentinos Juniors, Carlos Juniors. And, oh, I should stop doing that. But... Out of all those clubs, those four or five clubs, to me, the best pick is obviously River Plate. It's affordable tickets. It's in a very safe part of town. It's in the Palermo neighborhood, which was at where I stayed at. And it's mostly, it's an affluent neighborhood, so it's mostly middle class. And it's pretty nice. There's a lot of cool cafes and restaurants that you can check out. A lot of cool bars, really great nightlife. That's where I stayed at. But yeah, that being said, so it's in a nice neighborhood. It's a nice and safe neighborhood where a lot of things to do at that place in day and night. You could find like Airbnbs or lodging in, in the Palermo neighborhood, no problem. And also, the price being $3.50 to $10 a ticket, unless Stadium Guide is lying to me or it's not been updated, that is incredibly affordable. 
for a team that will guarantee wins. You know, that's it's fantastic. It's great. It's kind of like, would you rather buy season tickets to Arsenal or Man City? I buy season tickets to Man City, and Arsenal has the most expensive season tickets. So it's like, you know, if you want to consider money and what you're getting out of. But at the, at the end of the day, it's your trip. You get to visit whatever club you want to visit and just have fun. Who cares? See all these moments as a pinch-me moment and just enjoy yourself, you know? You you never know when you get to do this again. So if ever you do travel and you have opportunity to go to these games, go for it. Who cares about the club? Just go whatever speaks to you. That's really the main rule of traveling. Do whatever speaks to you. I guess to close off this episode... It's always good to do some research before you travel. I mean, who doesn't do that, right? But sometimes you should consider books. I think books could provide a historical perspective that sometimes websites tend to overlook or don't care because people want to know what's happening now as opposed to history. Whereas I'm the kind of guy that likes to know the historical context before I know what's happening now. That's just how I work. So if you have Argentina on your bucket list, especially your post-pandemic travel bucket list, I suggest that if you're going there to eat, especially to watch soccer, read the book Angels with Dirty Faces by Jonathan Wilson. It's it's a great book. It, there's points, there's parts of the book that does get very political and historical and sometimes even boring. The majority of the book is is really interesting to see how Argentine soccer developed over the years. And one of the things that he brought up that he noticed was while Argentinian soccer was growing and getting better and better and better, their economy and their politics was not moving at the same pace. And usually country when a country's economy and politics grow and expand and become influential globally, usually their sports and their culture moves at a similar pace sometimes. I mean, with the United States, as their economy and, and politics grew, basketball started being everywhere. Americana was being sold everywhere. Their culture spread everywhere. And the same way with, with the, the English and soccer, when the English was... Not at the peak of the empire, when the empire was starting to descend and it passed its peak. That's when soccer started being all over the world. Because these English these English companies and merchants had access to almost every country in the world for trade. So these sailors would bring the game with them wherever they went. And that's it didn't happen on purpose, it just happened. And in this book, What Angels and Dirty Faces, he sort of explores as to why that didn't necessarily happen in Argentina. That despite a... Sometimes a crumbling political structure or even uh, failing financial institutions, their soccer stayed good. Their soccer got better. And usually you need money to invest in your talent. And for whatever reason, Argentina was just, I guess, never felt that. And Anyway, good book. I suggest anyone to read it. Uh, the cover of it is amazing. And if you enjoy history, especially soccer history, Angels with Dirty Faces, is I recommend that book. Anyway, so those were the five clubs that you could find in Buenos Aires. There's a ton of other clubs in Argentina that you can go discover. But I've only been to Buenos Aires, and I only I only want to talk about cities that I've personally visited. And one last thing to leave you. This is how much of a soccer culture Argentina is. When I was there, it was the offseason, and they were moving into friendlies. So they had like these friendlies like any other league. And, and one of those friendlies turned out to be Boca Juniors versus River Plate. I don't know how that could be a friendly, but it just became, it was a friendly. I mean, granted, Madrid and Barcelona had friendlies in Miami, so whatever. But River Plate and Boca Juniors had this friendly, and it's if it's a friendly, it's not consequential. No one, there's no real winner, if you know what I mean. And I was in a cab, and I, I guess we're going back to where I was staying at, where me and the girl I was staying at the time, where we were just going back to our spot, and 
we had the cab windows rolled down and we could just hear just people in the distance screaming goal 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 but it wasn't coming from like one house it i mean there was a bunch of apartments but it didn't come from one apartment unit it sounded like it was coming from like at least five different apartment units where people were screaming goal from the top of their lungs and i was just like holy shit they're watching soccer right now and then i asked the cab driver i was like hey is there a game happening right now and he just turns up the radio he was like yeah i was actually listening to it i was like holy shit this is crazy it's everyone's listening to it and it's only a friendly it's only an exhibition so if that doesn't tell you how much soccer means to argentinians then i don't know what and as we were driving through the night and getting back to our lodging i keep hearing goal 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 at some when at some point and the game ended i think 3-1 to for river plate i think I was just, I, I never experienced anything like that where the entire city, you could feel the entire city's watching the game. Like the streets were pretty empty and it was like a Thursday night. So I was, I was, you know, I was pretty impressed. For a big city to be that quiet on a Thursday night, or I think it was a Thursday night, but whatever it was, it was, it was impressive. So anyway, that's my little anecdote of, of Argentina. Long ass flight. Uruguay is not far. Definitely go check out Uruguay. And another thing, one last thing, most important thing, if you do go to Argentina or and even Uruguay, you must eat steak. Eat steak in Argentina for the love of God, please. It's so good. They do it so right. Oh, man. Anyway, so that's it. Uh, Argentina, Argentina's cool. Go visit that. Go visit the, the country and the city. They speak Spanish kind of funny. Instead of calle, is calle. So once again, guys, thanks for listening to another edition or another episode of Soccer Pilgrim. Please do not forget to like, subscribe, and share the podcast on whatever social media platforms you're at. And all I'm asking is just, you know, share the podcast on your story, and that'd be enough for me. So once again, thank you for listening. My name is Jason Kim, and this is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you. Thank you.